The sermon text is the second lesson from St. Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossae, chapter 1. The Father rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and unseen, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and all things hold together in him. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in all things he might have the highest rank. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of the Lord. Alleluia. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If you were challenged to turn to the person nearest you and give them an answer to the question, what has Jesus Christ done for you? What would you say? What answer would you give to that question? Maybe for the sake of simplicity, for the sake of brevity, you would answer the question, what has Christ done for you in the way a small Christian child boldly answers that question? Jesus died to take my sins away. Jesus saved me. And that is a beautiful and accurate answer to the question, what has Christ done for you? It takes the pinnacle truth of all of God's word and boils it down to just a few words. But did you know that if you wanted to answer that question even more briefly, you could answer the question, what has Christ done for you, with just one single word? Because the Holy Spirit inspired St. Paul to tell us, in Christ, all things were created, in heaven and on earth, things seen and unseen, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Normally, when we think of God creating, making all things, we think of God the Father doing that work. As we just said in the Nicene Creed, God the Father is the maker of all things seen and unseen. And that is true. But here, and many other places in Scripture, it also speaks of God the Son and God the Holy Spirit creating all things. So if we want to answer the question, what has Christ done for you, we could start with this. He created you and your life. Without him, you wouldn't be here. And not only has he made you and your existence, he has made this entire beautiful universe that you get to live in and enjoy. Whatever you enjoy about creation, whether it's skiing or gardening or eating or sleeping or hunting or horseback riding or whatever, it's here and you are here because Jesus Christ created you. He made you. And it doesn't stop there. He is before all things and all things hold together in him. So not only has Jesus Christ created everything, including you, together with his Father and the Holy Spirit, but he is also holding his entire creation, including your life, up in his hands at all times. And if Jesus withdrew 
his sustaining power from you or any part of his creation for even a moment that would all come crashing down like a house of cards. He holds it all up and holds it all together. So, what has Jesus Christ done for you? You could start by answering that question, well, he gave me my life and the entire existence around me, and not only that, but he keeps it all going. He holds up my life and all creation in his divine hands. And what Jesus Christ has done for you doesn't even come close to stopping there because Jesus has a Father who loves to make promises and fulfill them in his Son. Now, if you open the Bible to any random page and just start reading, odds are it's not going to take very long for you to come to some place where God is promising something to somebody. And of all of the promises that God makes in his word, the ones we heard in today's lessons stand at the center. First we heard God promise his servant, King David, that another king was going to come and reign after him. You know, a whole lot of the things that God said about this king who would come after David, you can see these things fulfilled by David's son, Solomon, who came right after David on the throne of Israel. But there are some things about this king and this kingdom that Solomon doesn't fit. Because the Lord also promised David a king was coming after him who was going to reign on the throne forever and his kingdom would last for eternity. Now in order for a king to come and reign over an eternal kingdom, that king has to be eternal. He has to be divine. And that's how Jesus Christ came into our world. Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God. He says God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So God promised an eternal, everlasting king. And when Jesus Christ comes on Christmas, he makes good on that promise. God also promises in Scripture that this eternal king, this king who will come into the world as true God, is going to rescue is going to save people from their sins. And just listen to this beautiful imagery that St. Paul uses when he teaches us even more of what Christ has done for us. The Father rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. By nature, that means when we come to life in the wombs of our mothers, we are born in sin. We are born behind enemy lines in the kingdom of Satan. And we are condemned to stay there, ruled by Satan in his kingdom forever. But God loves us. So he promised to, and he kept this promise, to send his son into our world, behind enemy lines, into the kingdom of Satan, to rescue us from the devil's control. And Jesus did that by shedding his blood on the cross. With the blood that Jesus sheds on the cross, God picks us up out of the kingdom, the domain of Satan, and transfers us over into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we live at peace with our Heavenly Father, with our sins forgiven. So, what else has Christ done for you? He has kept God's promise to send into this world a divine, eternal king. That's the promise that we see kept in this season of Christmas.
Jesus has also kept God's promise to use that eternal king to rescue you from your sin and deliver you into God's kingdom, safe in the arms of your heavenly Father, forgiven and at peace with him forever. But now let's hold our horses here for just a minute. Because you remember earlier I said if you wanted to, you could answer the question, what has Christ done for you with just one word? And the problem is, the longer and harder that you keep looking at these verses from Colossians, the longer your answer to that question keeps getting. So how in the world are we ever going to get this down to one word? And I know you're already there. You were there 10 minutes ago, but just humor me. How are we ever going to get it down to one word, especially when you see what else Christ has done for you? He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, in the days when these words were written, it was the firstborn son in the family who had power, who had authority over that family. And that is the sense in which Jesus Christ is the firstborn from the dead. He has power. He has authority over death. And Jesus put that mastery over, dis over death on display on Easter morning when he rose from the grave. And he did that for you and me. He did that so you and I will also have the promise that we will rise on the last day and we will rise to live with a glorified body just like our Savior Jesus. So what else has Jesus done for you? He has broken through. He has conquered death for you. So you live without the sting, without the fear of death. So what has Christ done for you? Let's go back. Let's just rewind and do the full list. He made you and all of creation. He keeps you and all of creation going every instant of every minute of every day. He keeps God's promise to be an eternal king, and not just a king, but one who rescues people from their sins, and he has even delivered you from the clutches of death. Well, and then there's even more. There's one more thing that could be very easy to overlook, especially in a section of scripture that's as rich and thick as this, but it is here. He is also the head of the body, the church. When you came to faith in Jesus, whether that happened on the day you were baptized or maybe later in life when you heard this, this good news of everything Jesus does for you, he brought you into his body of believers, which the Bible calls the church. We are the body of believers of Jesus. We are the church and Christ is the head. Uh, everywhere that the word of God is preached, people are baptized and communed, the Holy Spirit is always working to add more members and make the members of that body stronger. And all the while, Christ Jesus, as the head of the church, is leading and guiding it and directing it in faith all the way to the end, all the way to the kingdom of God that he won for us. So from beginning to end, from creation until we enter the kingdom of God, Jesus is working for us. So if you wanted to answer the question, what has Christ done for you in a single word, it would not be an overstatement to say everything. Jesus Christ has done and he continues to do everything for me. Well, my guess is, as a Christian walking into the sanctuary today, you would have agreed to the idea that Jesus is good, Jesus is important, Jesus does a lot for me. But maybe the idea that Jesus does everything for you from start to finish, maybe that never really occurred to you before. But it is definitely God's Bible truth. 
So it's important for us to understand it and believe it, but not just that. We need to apply it to our lives as Christians. And maybe we could do that starting at the end, at the last thing we saw, which is that Jesus is the head and we are the body, the church. Jesus, who does everything for us, is the head, who directs us and guides us. That means we take our marching orders from him, not the other way around. So the correct attitude for a Christian to have toward Jesus, the head, who does everything for them, is, speak, Lord, I am listening. You, the head, you tell me how to live my life. You tell me how to shape my attitudes and how to speak your word faithfully. See, it's not the other way around. It's not, listen, Lord, while I speak and I tell you how things should be, or listen, Lord, while I speak and tell you what you must have meant to say. Oh, Jesus is the head and we are the body. Let him direct your life, your family, your church. He's the head. We listen to him. The fact that Christ has done everything for us is also a powerful truth to lift worry out of our lives. Are you worried about anything right now? Are you worried about your own health or the health of your family? Are you worried about how your family is going to make it through another tough year economically? Well, one of the things you see so clearly when you see Jesus doing everything for you is that God keeps the promises he has made. He keeps every promise he has made in Christ. He has promised to watch over you and protect you. He has promised to provide for you, to take care of you in this world until it's time to call you to the world to come. See how Jesus does everything for you, how God keeps his promises in Christ. Trust God to keep every promise he's made to you. And seeing how Jesus does everything takes worry out of life. And trusting that Christ does everything for us also helps us to live lives of thanksgiving to God. Would you like to live a life that is more God-pleasing out of thanksgiving for your Savior who does everything for you, but maybe you find yourself struggling in certain areas of life? Do you have a Christian friend or maybe a child you're raising who is struggling with, with certain things in life? Well, first, let me give you the wrong way to use Jesus, to try to help yourself or help everybody else, anybody else live a God-pleasing life. Here's the wrong way. Don't you know how much Jesus has done for you? What's wrong with you? Don't you know Jesus has done everything for you? How can you be so rotten? Be better. And a lot of times, whether we say it in those exact words or not, that is kind of how we use Jesus on ourselves and how we use him on other people. Jesus becomes like this battering ram to guilt people into living lives that look better on the surface. Don't use Jesus that way. Don't use him that way with yourself. Don't use him that way with other people. Don't use Jesus as a club. See, it is only this beautiful truth that Jesus does everything for us. This is what helps Christians live a more God-pleasing life and pulls them away from their sins in their life. See the love that your Savior has for you in everything that he does for you. And that will help you grow in your godly living. That too, Jesus will do for us. And we know he will. Because he does everything for us. Amen. Amen.